Hello and welcome to tonight's episode of the Rangers Rundown. Uh, we are here to talk about all kinds of things, from the minors, majors, uh, other kinds of minors, the minors who haven't made the minors yet. I don't know, we'll get there. I am Max, I'm joined by Hayden. What's up? And special guest, friend of the pod, Mr. Kevin Carter of Baseball Prospectus. Hey y'all, how's it going? Woo! Been a minute. How you been doing? I've been doing all right. We've been uh, been a pretty busy year at Frisco, and actually have some prospect prospects on the farm this year. Yeah, you want to talk uh, all about? Just give us your best notes on Emmanuel Classe. Yep. So uh, I can tell you for one or for one little little piece, uh, Classe is an excellent, excellent spy because I have been unable to locate him uh, through about a month into the season. Uh, or since he's been called up. Uh, I've been to four or five games since he's called up on where he was on two days rest, and, uh, yep, nothing. He has warmed up once, and other than that, he's just kind of been hanging out in the bullpen. But did he look good warming up? <sighs> yeah, I didn't leave my seat to go see him because I thought he was going to come in the game, but he just pitched Oof. the bullpen and sat down. <laughs> <laughs> what a tease. Yeah, and then uh, the next time he was it was in the ninth inning, it looked like he was going to come in the tenth. And uh, Preston Beck hits a shot to right field for a walk off, and um, that was that. Dang it, Preston! I mean, I mean, good for you, but also, yeah, c- come on, man. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's doing his part to keep me from seeing Classe. Well, hey, somebody has to. Otherwise, it's been a, a fairly solid year at Frisco, though, right? We've had a couple of good arms coming through there. Maybe some uh, more interesting bats than outside observers might think. Uh, yes, so there's there's obviously some interesting pieces in the rotation. The bullpen has had some pop-up arms, and some of the sort of fringe prospects in the, in the lineup have... Um, taking some steps that that might be some encouragement, or there might be some encouraging signs there, and um, yeah, the, they're kind of they're kind of mirror, mirroring the the MLB lineup and the fact that some of these these hitters under new instruction, under a new program, are uh, sort of learning to tap into more of their abilities because their pitch recognition uh, skills are being honed in, and uh, you know one of the things that's been talked about recently. Uh, we're starting to see some intense batting practice. You know, full speed, breaking balls, all that jazz that Houston's been doing for a couple of years now. Uh, it's starting to bleed into our system. Oh, I didn't know that. Huh. Yeah, and you know, you can go read. There's an article read the other day. Uh, batting practice is worthless the way we've been doing it for the past 150 years. And so uh, it's time to innovate. That's <laughs> how it works. works. I mean, lobbing underhanded balls at folks who kind of lazily taking hacks at them might not be indicative of how baseball work. Believe it or not, it's it's Weird. a crazy new world we're living in. Um, but yeah, I mean, so that just makes me feel dumb because <laughs> it's so obvious. <laughs> like I, I don't know. Like I played high school baseball. Like I was good in the cages, but game you know game speed. I I wasn't very good at hitting. Well, it turns out because, had they put just because yeah, I didn't practice at game speed. Yeah, yeah, if you put 94 miles an hour on the corner of the plate, followed by an 80 slider from a machine, maybe you would have uh, you would have been able to hit those 75 mile an hour fastballs down the plate. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Hey, I have great faith in Hayden's ability to mash a 75 mile an hour meatball, okay? I think he could still yeah. do it. And I haven't taken a swing in a long time. I, I would fall down. My, my wreck softball league, yeah, still, like, just looping some singles over the infield. Really not br- not bringing a whole lot to the table. <laughs> so are teams going to transition more towards machine pitched, you think? Or, I mean, is that, are they going to put too much stress on arms to have guys throw full force BP? Yeah, so I think I think machine is the way that a lot of the, the the Astros have been doing it, and then that's what you'll see most of the time. They'll have a they'll have a you know machine set up on the if for the if it was a right handed pitcher, they'll have the machine set up on the right side of the rubber, and then uh, they'll do the same velocity as you'd expect from that hitter, and then they'll throw in a couple uh, breaking balls from the machine as well. Just to give the hitters, you know, it, it's it's literally just to get their eye adjusted and to get their timing down. Uh, because, you know, pitchers are going to do some sequences, and those machines aren't going to help with that because, you know, pitchers are just unbelievable nowadays. Mm-hmm. But it's going to help you get that eye so maybe – oh, I recognize that shape, that spin out of the hand, that's a slider layoff and stuff. Or maybe 94-mile-an-hour fastball, I'm geared up for that because I've been hitting against it all day. Uh, That's just sort of the the, the ideal there. And we're starting to see it in the minors, and it wouldn't shock me to see that translate to to some MLB batting practice in a couple years. Well, and as major league rosters, uh, I think as we'll continue to see them get younger and younger as teams lean harder and harder into pre-ARB and ARB guys over, uh, quote-unquote, established vets, you know, we're seeing fewer and fewer of the sort of journeyman, middle-class, 31-year-old ball players keeping major league deals. Those guys, I think, would be more open to something like changing how BP works. So uh, you, you might be able to see it kind of work both ways. Yeah, I think I think a lot of the reasons why it's not on the MLB club this year is because they probably asked some of the veterans in the the team, and you know maybe maybe they just didn't quite feel it yet, and and so they're getting the guys. I mean, it's the same thing with the opener. They're they're doing it in the minor leagues because they want these guys to understand when they get up to the MLB, this is going to happen, and we need you guys to be okay with it now. Uh, and also. You know, I don't know much how to make much of that thirty-one-year-old veteran guys because you know twenty. 2021 is going to be here before you know it. Um, you know who knows who knows what that next CBA is going to do. But, oh my gosh, I'm expecting. I asked for the cancel baseball. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's I'm, not looking good. I'm hoping you know some of these recent. I, it's been less tense recently, you know, in the outside what we can see. Um, so hopefully, hopefully. Sign sides get a little closer, and uh, we're able to get some because nobody wants to miss baseball, and no. it's not good for anybody. No, and, and Texas finally has some potentially interesting players who are going to be coming up. But we've obviously got guys we yes. can talk about on the major league side in terms of the extension market, um, and and so I, you know, Texas finds itself in a weird place. I think I mentioned this on an episode of, I don't know, about a month ago or so, in that I, I definitely want to see the extension market change up so that we're not just kind of taking advantage of young stud players. But I want that to happen after Texas extends Joey Gallo. <laughs> well, the problem, problem there is, you know, he's no, he's no spring chicken. Like no. that guy, that guy is, he's doing, <laughs> he's, he's doing everything right to get paid. He's mashing. Yeah. Yeah. He's hired Scott Boras. He's, you know, he's saying all the right things when he gets interviewed by Fox sports. He's doing Everything he can possibly do to get extended and be the face of the franchise, and uh, I, it's honestly something 
that would it would surprise me if that didn't happen um, with or without a new CBA. Just because of just because of how important he would be to an next contention window, he'll be oh, yeah. he'll, he'll be in his prime. Lock him up. 2020, and and he, he couldn't have he couldn't have broken out at a better time for the Rangers. Uh, He's by FR the fifth most valuable player in baseball this season. Um, I think by BWAR he's sixth. Yeah, I mean you know six six foot five, two hundred and forty pound, graceful center field. You know there may be there may be two of those ever, and both of them put a put a Rangers uniform on. So right, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty blessed there. And I think Gallo uh, would look better in some ways uh, if he wasn't having his transcendent breakouts. He's the same year that Cody Bellinger just decided to break the oh sport. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, that guy, that guy is unfair. He, he's sort of toned it down a little bit lately, but, I mean, his tone down is the best hitter in the MLB so far. He wasn't going to play at a 16-win pace the whole year. So. Gosh, he's nuts. <laughs> I mean, he basically did it by completely eliminating all the swing and miss he had ever had. I don't know how I did it. I'd be very interested to find out what they were working on him with when he decided to become the best player in the MLB. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty insane. Uh, it's well, it's if you took every bit of power that he had and all the pitch record play discipline he had and added Tony Gwynn esque strikeout rates. I, it's crazy. Well, so obviously we've we've spent uh, some time on this podcast, a few minutes here or there, mentioning uh, our largest adult son, Mr. Gallo, um, and you know, the things that he's done are getting a lot of national attention. They're getting a lot of local attention. Levi obviously talked about this a lot on the Athletic, and Mike Petriello wrote a great article on MLB.com, which I believe we discussed before. Uh, but a guy who has not really gained any, I, I think, national level attention and didn't get a lot of local just because of how short his time was was Willie Calhoun. Uh, obviously, came up and had six really good games. Uh, there were only yeah. six of them, so it's hard to say. Such a bummer, man. Um, that what guy. What are you seeing out of him? I mean, I just saw the same the same kind of stuff I saw when he came over from Round Rock the first year. Came over to Round Rock the first year. I drove out there to watch a couple games uh, after he got he he was acquired in the Darvish trade. I mean, he just is just kind of. A, he just knew he was the best hitter out there. You know, that kind of just that feeling that he just knew exactly what he was going to do every single time he came to the plate, and he was going to mash. Um, and then last year, obviously, situations aside, didn't get into the power, probably was pressing, didn't, didn't wait for pitches that he could handle. And so he probably spent a lot of time grounding out where in the past he would have waited for something he could have driven. And then this year, the Rangers obviously have worked with him, aside from his conditioning, which is obviously fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they worked on the whole team. There's been this sort of blanket to improve pitch recognition and have better approaches at the plate. Their model, the guy who, the, the two models, the guy who in the clubhouses, and the Rangers probably value a lot more than the general fan even does, Logan Forsyth and Shin Tzu Chu. Those are the guys that the Rangers are pointing at and they're saying, be like these guys. Because those guys make the most out of their talent because they swing at hit they swing at balls that they can mash and they take pitches they can't until two strike because the idea is, you know, 
don't don't waste a plate appearance by swinging it at, at the knees curveball. Recognize it, lay off of it, find something you can drive, uh, protect on two strikes. Like otherwise, feel free to take a walk. OBP is is great, and uh, you know Willie Calhoun really took to heart that I think he went down to the Nashville this this year and he he had more walks than he struck out. He refound the power stroke, which is apparently a mechanical tweak that he made. Uh, and so pretty much best case scenario, every single aspect of, of the things that the Rangers asked of Willie Calhoun, he did. And uh, they, they rewarded him. I was really happy to see them call him up. Uh, you know, everybody was starting to get a little antsy there because he, you know, you don't like to see a guy sit in AAA after he's done everything you wanted. Uh, and I would be shocked that if he went down again, um, even after he may do like a rehab game or two, but I, I just, you don't, you don't tell a guy like that who's poured everything he is into these changes that you've asked and you don't send him down. That guy's staying up to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I would hope so. I think we saw everything that we wanted to see at the major league level. Uh, but like you're saying, we were seeing it all happening at the minor league level as well. This is the guy that Texas traded for. This is the guy that they sent you Darvish off for. And this is the kind of piece you build futures around. So get him on the field. Let him go out there and play. Texas is obviously willing to make some uh, aggressive moves around outfield defense, which yes, have worked out well. Ass lineups. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. worked out well in the context of uh, Joey Gallo. But I think if you told some folks a couple years back that Texas was trotting out an outfield defense of Willie Calhoun, Joey Gallo, and Nomar Mazzara, and that it wasn't as bad as you might think, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be right. kind of weird. And, and real quick, and obviously we all love Joey Gallo and we don't want to spend too much time on him because we've all, I'm sure you guys have gotten to that a hundred times. Yeah. But a couple of things that interested me enough to, to just note it down uh, is A, he's probably not as good as he will be right now. Mm. Um, so he's he's getting he's getting a little bit screwed on low pitches and outside pitches right now just because of the reputation most likely. But that'll change over time as he, he keeps increasing that walk rate. Um, so will start to get the benefit of the doubt more often. Uh, two... He uh, he might not like in the other direction. He's probably overperforming just a tad bit, uh, but it, you know, just because he's probably not going to have a BABIP of of four hundred for the rest of the season, and it's not because he hasn't earned it. He has earned every little bit of it. It's just because you know, ups and downs. He's going to have some downs where um, you know maybe he's not hitting a thirty percent line drive rate all season. <laughs> uh, but it, the encouraging thing when I watch him is so when he last two years, heck, even three years, and it's gotten a little better every year, he was getting beat on that high fastball. And he obviously learned to lay that off, but he was also getting beat on the inside in high fastball that was still in the zone. So he was really struggling to sort of turn around on a pitch that was a strike. And this year, his swing, uh, he, he still has his long, glorious swing that he swings most of the time. Or, you know, he'll flick his wrists out and sort of angle the bat towards left field if he needs to go the other way in the air. But one of the things he's doing way better this year is he's keeping his hands close to his body 
on inside pitches, which is allowing him to turn on pitches and keep them fair. And those are those mammoth moonshots you're seeing that are going like over the foul pole. Those are the inside fastballs that are high, and he's actually keeping his hands really close to his body and getting around on that. That's a new development. He didn't do that last year. He didn't do that the year before. It's a completely new swing for him uh, that he has just for that location, and that's that's super encouraging. Like that's that's such a huge adjustment that I wouldn't have expected, and I've just been I've been overjoyed to see him do what he's doing this year. You don't yeah, expect absolutely. a guy who's just that big and has that reputation to also have the athletic pedigree that he does. It's so hard to learn <laughs> any kind of great. new swing mechanic or a new, say, defensive position that is center field. Uh, and watching him do both at once, pretty fun. Yeah, he's, he's a blast. Well, I, I have a further question about that since you're a little bit more tied in, Kevin. Um, with that development of, you know, his not like going beyond the the pitch pitch recognition um but being able to kind of truly eliminate and that hole in his swing and turning it into a positive i feel like i've heard him talk about um like the new hitting coaches uh i forget their names off the top of my head but um do you know like ortiz and calix crab calix crab yeah yeah so i've heard him talk about those guys and it seems like I don't know, they're bringing something different to the table. And, you know, Gallo is the one player where kind of the stakes are the highest, where if if he can maximize his potential, then, like, what does that mean for the rest of the guys on the team? Uh, so he's doing that, you know. And so so what is – how much of this can we attribute to kind of the coaching staff or the development or the off-season training or whatever that we can maybe look for the same kind of progression in our other young players? So, so Calix Crab specifically, I, I don't know necessarily exactly how much of a impact he's had on any individual player, but that's the name that keeps coming up when I ask, uh, you know, when I when I'm inquiring into some of these changes that have been made by players, young and old, on the team, and who've sort of rehashed, maybe refound something they had or whatever. Mm-hmm. Calix Crab is a name that keeps coming up. And I, I like that signing the day I saw it because I went to his website and started looking into what he was all about. And it was sort of the generic data-driven player development. You know, we're gonna we're, we're about the new school style, mash what we can, get it over the fence. Um, but he had a pretty impressive resume from what I could tell. Uh, and so, you know, I, I liked that signing, sort of just put it in my back pocket and waited to, to see what kind of came from it. And I've heard so many things about him, references to from from multiple players that have been like, yeah, I was working with Calix Crab or, you know, such and such. This, he helped me with my swing. That guy keeps coming up in conversations. Luis Ortiz also is coming up in conversations in a different way. I've heard him mentioned a couple times in about swing changes, but the the vast majority of what I hear from about him is his communication abilities and his his ability to sort of lay down these game plans and these pitch recognition and play discipline uh, style philosophies that are sort of have been adopted by this team. That's what I've heard more from about Luis Ortiz, and that's exactly what the Rangers needed. They needed somebody at the top who was on board with the data driven development. And they needed somebody who is a proven 
swing trainer with that that caliber and experience in Calyx Crab, and they needed somebody who could sort of get this information and convey it to the team and make sure that each player had sort of a game plan for improvement. And I think that's Luis Ortiz. Uh, so I, I'm nothing but encouraged about the coaching staff um, on both ends there. I just heard, I've heard so many good things that I, I it's, I'm more excited about their development at the MLB. And, you know, we won't talk too much about these guys, but I think there's a reason why Rudnit Odor and Nomar Mazzara are chilling in the MLB despite, you know, pretty disappointing seasons again. They want those guys in the cage with those two guys. And um, I, I think that says speaks the world about what the Rangers think about Calix Crab and Luis Ortiz. And I, I think that, you know, I think those guys are the real deal. And uh, it's been a pretty encouraging thing to listen to. Yeah, I mean, we have the best offense in the league, right? Or very close to it, depending well, on what you're looking at. Houston, Houston has... I mean, uh, well, uh, uh, runs per game, right? Runs per game. Right? The Rangers are right up there, I think. Uh, pretty. I, they might have gotten passed in the past couple of days. Sure, but, sure. Uh, Either way, it's, it's been a very impressive, led exactly. by guys that are having some kind of resurgence, whether it be a Forsyth or Pence coming from, you know, past relative greatness or Gallo and Chu kind of tap. Well, I guess Chu's kind of been kind of steady, but Gallo, you know, tapping into his kind of inner greatness, if you want. Absolutely. And don't don't be sleeping on Chu's nine home runs. That's more than he's ever had. I mean, that dude's, that dude's on pace for a 30 home run season. Oh yeah. No, (laughs) you do do not need to talk to me about uh, appreciating Senshu Chu. I am the last person that. Senshu Chu appreciator has logged on. That. That guy, I've written, yeah. I written, a lot. I wrote about him before he, you know, sort of had a resurgent year last year. That that guy, I, I've, I've, I guess they call it stand. I've stand for Chew for a couple of years now. That guy is, that guy is just a consummate professional. Every single at bat, he's a blast to watch. Yep. The the injuries, you know, at the beginning of his career, or this contract sort of derailed the opinions of Rangers fans, but he's been nothing but excellent for the Rangers. And it is shocking to me. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's, it's shocking Batting to me that there's off. so little uh, trade interest in him, or that we've heard about. You know, I'm sure mm-hmm. there's been some interest, but I, I, I'm shocked that, I'm shocked that Cleveland hasn't called. It's like, hey, we have, a, we have nobody in our outfield, like literally nobody. Uh, we can't name the left fielder. I have no idea who he is. Uh, and I'm the GM of the Cleveland Indians. I w- 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 give me some choo choo. Like I, I don't know, man. Especially because you're you're in a dogfight mm-hmm. with the Twins now. I, I mean, the yeah. dogfight. The Twins are handing the Cleveland, and they're they're. I mean, they're telling them to drive home. Like yeah. mm-hmm. the Rangers have the second best offense in baseball at 5.66 runs per game. Awesome. Uh, which is pretty pretty stellar. Uh, that puts them one of only two teams who have above five and a half runs per game. That's a half a run better than Seattle, for example, is at five point seven. Houston's at five point one seven. Uh, Minnesota's at six point oh six. Fully Jeez. half a run better per game than Texas right now. Yeah, they're just That's the best offense runs in the game. Like a freaking madman right now. Like it's going out of style. They have one hundred and four dingers. You could you could argue that you know Houston has less runs per game, but they're they're currently putting up like a historically high team WRC plus. I think it's dropped a little bit since I last checked. Yeah, 
But um, he's second so, in the league in OPS plus for sure, one twenty three. Yeah, second only to Minnesota. They're they're at, they're first in WRC plus at one twenty six compared to the Twins one twenty four. Um, but man, good for Thad. Let's just say that good for yeah, Thad. Yeah, he's doing some work over there. A little bit. So there's definitely some things that have been pretty encouraging at the big league level. Um, we've obviously talked a little bit about some of the young hitters. Uh, a lot has been said recently about Mike Miner and Lance Lynn, who is pitching right now for Texas um, mm-hmm. and doing fine uh, yes. from what I, what I can see. And Lynn has been the guy that I think Texas wanted to get. They wanted to sign a dude who was going to go out there and eat innings and not just uh, fill those innings but actually be a decent pitcher in them. He's not going to blow anybody away, but he's been pretty good, and that's exactly what they've gotten so far. Yeah, his, Miner is. Oof. Well, yeah, obviously Miner. He's just he, he's refound that changeup, and he's utilizing it in a way that um, he hasn't in a couple years. Uh, well, I mean, I guess since the second half of last season, a uh, guy at Baseball Prospectus named Zach Kreiser. Uh, he mm-hmm. has an article about Mike Miner. I encourage everybody to go. To go Google search that and, and read it uh, about it's called Circle Change, a minor miracle in Texas, and it just it, it just makes you feel really good about minor. He's really utilizing the outside four seam fastball to righties, and then tunneling the changeup off that and breaking it off the plate, and it's just making making righties look completely ridiculous. And obviously, he's always been tough on lefties, so he he didn't really struggle there. And so you you basically added this re-added this weapon that he has, and it's just tearing apart guys. And and yeah, he's probably overperforming his peripherals a little bit. But even if he like, and he's still one. Even if he wasn't performing, or maybe give him a couple more runs per game or whatever, he's still one of the top twelve to thirteen pitchers in the MLB, and that's incredible. Um, and then yep. Lynn has just been, you know, exactly what you hoped. I mean, he's he has his bad games where he walks four or five people, and then he has his uh, blow up innings occasionally. But they signed him to be an innings eater, middle to back rotation pitcher uh, in terms of value. He is actually the second best starter, <laughs> but uh, you know that's what they wanted in terms of value. They wanted a guy who come in, eat two hundred innings, and. You know, blow it past guys with a 95 mile an hour fastball, and then his obviously, you know, incredible curveball. He, and he's doing it. He's doing better than you would have hoped. And maybe you know, add a little extra to him when you get him in the uh, bullpen with uh, Julio Rangel, and uh, it's been it's been great. So who's coming up to uh, fill in behind him? We got we got a one two and. <laughs> Well, let me tell you about uh, Joe Palumbo, Tyler Phillips, <laughs> and the crew in AA because, you know, obviously Shelby Miller has struggled so much that he's been relegated to a bullpen. And that's a shame because his stuff at times has looked pretty great. It's the, he has the 90, mid-90s fastball with the curveball that looks, looks plus and then uh, no command. And then Smiley's sort of the same boat. You know, just really struggling with command to the point where his stuff, despite being effective, uh, it's just it's not playing up due to how poor the command's been. Uh, and then the, the one name we do need to talk about a little bit, though, is uh, Hurado, which, 
I think yeah. most of us had written off as sort of like an up-down guy. Um, yeah, how about that? <laughs> yeah, so I think I think it mostly has to do with... I mean, he added a mile an hour per his fastball, which is no joke. Like, that's, that's big for any profile. But not, you know, turning yourself into an up-down guy to a back-of-the-rotation arm. But what he did do is he added a curveball that I'm guessing is one of the new spike curve slash knuckle curve grips that you've been seeing a lot. Uh, I know Eno Saris wrote about it not too often mm -hmm. long ago uh, because it's harder. It's about three miles an hour harder than his last curveball. And his old curveball had like a big loopy motion uh, where his new curveball is pretty sharp downward action, uh, which, which indicates that it's more of a knuckle curve or spike curve, whichever one you prefer. Um, which, you know, you, you can strike out guys because you have a new offering like that and you add it to your changeup and that you can get a couple whiffs per game on. You know, increase your strikeout rate to five or six to nine instead of three or four where it was. That's a, that's a number five starter. Mm -hmm. I mean, what he's doing is, is number five starter worthy. Uh, so that, that would be huge for the Rangers if he could huge. continue on that path. Yeah, because at that point, Texas really only needs to add two uh, arms to the rotation to pretend that it has a real baseball team. Exactly, and that's the guy. That's the guy that you slide into the bullpen when you get in the playoffs. If, you know, you you need a you need Arado if you get into round one or round two of the playoffs. You slide Arado into your long reliever, or you know, uh, you know, you get a big lead in game one. You go up 10-0. You can put Arado in and have him coast into the the game two like that's just the kind of guy that these these good teams like Houston have yeah, uh, and, yeah and Houston had that in Chris Devensky for a little while and a guy who could go multiple innings he could just be very effective I mean yeah so having having a guy like Rado would just be tremendous for this team and hopefully he can just keep that up the spike curve that that's a real change like that's not a mirage so it, I'm encouraged that he can do that. You add a you add a swing and miss pitch to a sinker changeup guy, and uh, it's it's a more interesting profile for sure. And he's throwing the four seamer more this season than he was before as well, right? Yeah, he's, not he's relying quite as much on the sinker. High, it, it's sort of a philosophy I'm seeing from down up. We can go through the entire double A system, and it'll be uh, it'll be a reoccurring theme. If they have a sinker and a four seamer, it's sinker low and in. Forcing fastball at the the shoulders, like they're they're really hammering that into where you work high in the zone with your swing and miss fastball four seamer, and you work low and in with your changeup, either break it off the plate and get a swing, or uh, you know put it on the bottom part of the zone and get a ground ball. And so Rado's doing that very effectively, and he's always been a pretty good control guy, and so he's he's the perfect candidate for that kind of approach. And it's working out so for him so far. I'm really encouraged by what I've seen. So some of those arms that you've been seeing there at Frisco include, uh, like you mentioned earlier, Joe Palumbo, Brock Burke, Tyler Phillips, John Hernandez. Um, yeah, so... Some, some ups, some downs in that. Burke's obviously been hurt for about a month now. I don't know if you got any news on that front. Anything you've we, heard? No. Um... We, unfortunately, the last thing I read publicly was that it was a shoulder strain. Yeah. Um, and they said it was going to be a couple weeks, but here we are a couple weeks later, and there's really been no update. So, you know, just Did you get a chance to see him before he got hurt? I did. I liked it. 
Uh, I liked it a lot. He was He's not a huge upside guy. He didn't have any loud tools. Like, you know, you would kind of look at the double-A numbers he was putting up last year in Tampa Bay, for Tampa Bay, and you're like, oh, wow, this guy's going to be, maybe can be an ace. He doesn't have that repertoire. It's it's a low 90s fastball. It's, um, you know, it's, I got him 91 to 93 with some arm side, although he did top out at 96. The changeup, flash plus, the curveball was sort of a fringy pitch, and then the slider was average, and maybe saw it flash above average once. So it's more like um, fastball changeup with two sort of mix-in pitches, which is a good back-of-the-rotation projection, but mm-hmm. it's not something that's necessarily too loud. Um now he then, was. I did hear he was working on a curveball, and so if he's working on a new curveball like Burrado, and he makes make finds another swing and miss pitch there, completely changes the profile. And then that'd be more interesting. It'd be more of like a middle of the rotation guy. Okay. But, Hernandez, I'm assuming, is still kind of doing the John Hernandez thing, where when it works, you're really impressed, and then it's uh, very relievery the rest of the time. I I am. I was 80% sure that Hernandez was a bullpen pitcher last year. Um, I had him as a reliever, setup guy kind of projection. Uh, and this year, I'm, I'm much closer to 99% okay. sure. Just because he's, he's the same thing he was last year. Like, he's not doing anything differently. Maybe he's attacking hitters with a little less vigor, but he's still upper 90s, upper mid-90s with some life on a four-seamer that he comes from a crossfire arm action, so it bends back in towards righties. He has the wipeout slider, plus slider, hard, and then he has a changeup with some fade. You know, the, the changeup actually may have taken a little bit of a step back this year, which is something that sort of concerned me a bit. It was sort of flashing... It was flashing above average last year, and this year it's been pretty fringy. But his curveball took a big step this year, and it was sort of flashing above average in every game I saw. So, you know, it's it's different story, same story. And he's he's still a bullpen guy for me. I, I think ultimately he'll end up being a very good bullpen arm because that thing it's going to be really hard to hit for one inning. You you give you give him the ability to throw from behind. And you can flash every single tool. He's going to get some guys out, um, and then and then you've got the guys who are actually good starters down there, like Joe Palumbo, um, who, I mean, he's easily been the best starter down there. Uh, he's still fastball, curveball, changeup. The the curveballs plus easy. The fastballs plus easy from the the left side and the changeup. In his most recent start that I saw, Flash Plus with some fade, which is new. Uh, and then I got confirmation later that day that he had changed his grip. And so that's something that you should keep an eye on. Okay. Uh, the co- the control is always going to be a little suspect with him. He's going to have a game where he blows up. And then he's going to have a game where he... You remember Derek Holland, where he'd have a freaking game where he'd... Nine-inning shutout, struck out nine guys... And then the next game really struggled to find his command and walked four batters and gave up three or four runs and first three or four innings. Like, that may just be who Palumbo is, and that's kind of what I think he'll be, a sort of a 
number four kind of starter on an MLB team with like some really good games and some really not so good games. And if he takes a step forward, that's a that's a middle rotation guy. Like that's a that's a that's a really good piece. Um, I mean, he's and it's not something that's, that's impossible because he's still fairly fresh off an injury return. If that comes back at a at a, a bigger rate than I'd expect, then you know you got something really interesting there. Mm-hmm. So, what do you see the the plan for him being the rest of the way through 2019? I don't know. I the, the reason I say that is because they're going to have him on some sort of innings limit because he's working back up towards, uh, you know, a full season's load after his Tommy John. Mm-hmm. So last year it was like 60. This year maybe 110, 120 would be my guess. Uh, so what they might do is they might have him pitch in the rotation until they feel like, you know, hey, we're, we're good with this. And then send him up to the MLB and have him start a couple games there, and then maybe switch him to the bullpen for the end of the year and let him finish out on a big league roster. Uh, you know, assuming assuming things go smooth, uh, and and so far things have gone well enough to where I would I would expect that. Um, he's he's not too far off. He could get outs in the MLB right now, especially in a bullpen where he can just air it out. Um, but you know. You gotta make sure that he's feels comfortable and ready, which, from what I what it sounds like, makeup wise, he probably is uh, or will be before long. So that's fun. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> I like him. And so we've got some starters and, down there. Um, oh yeah, hey, go ahead. Oh, I was I was gonna say like a remedial question. I know that there were some changes that were implemented in like February or something, so I didn't really register them. Is this the year where the uh, September call-ups isn't... It, can you bring up anybody on the 40-man, or or is that changed this year, or is that next year? I don't remember. I think this year they can bring up players in September. Okay. Um, you know what? I'm going to take that back. I think I think that the, the waiver the waiver trade deadline trade is gone. And the uh, the September call up roster is only what twenty eight now. Yeah, I know uh, that they, they they really really decreased it. Which which but you know, would be these one. guys that are kind of okay, right? Yeah, Palumbo and Hearn are the big ones. Like those are the two that you, you can be you can be fairly certain that those two will be up um, because I, I just those are the guys who are closest and they're, they're pretty much ready. Maybe Yohander is the other one. If he comes oh, yeah. back and he's healthy. Yeah, yeah, um, Fourth option, Yohander. Yeah, fourth option, Yohander. And that's a good thing. That guy, yeah. he's he needed it. Like, he was not ready. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, yes. Like starts his throwing program uh, this week. Super point, so. excited about that because it means that's his good. UCL probably isn't destroyed. Um, oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah, I felt, I felt really nervous. I, I was... I was telling people like, "Hey, man, maybe he's just tight. 91, 92. That's not normal. Maybe he's just tight. They couldn't get loose because he's nervous." But it sounded like there was something wrong there. And so the fact that it's not uh, his arm's not fallen off yet is a very good sign. Hmm. Well, let's hope that continues. (laughs) (laughs) We've definitely got some interesting starters at the AA level, and then and then Taylor Hearn with Nashville. But there's also some. 
potentially interesting relievers at Frisco. I, I think the two that have probably been talked about the most online are Locke St. John and Peter Fairbanks, but yeah. guys that have also kind of stood up to some extent as well are maybe Yoel Espinal, who was in the Profar trade, and Blake Bass. Yeah, so so Blake Bass, I'm, I'm not super in on him. He, uh, he is interesting because uh, he's, he's huge. He's a big old dude coming from a really weird angle. Uh, he throws hard. He's got a pretty good uh, breaking ball. The, the command is a really big issue with him. Um, I, it's bad enough to where it'd be pretty hard to ever say for sure that he's going to be an MLB player. Uh, Lock St. John is kind of a flare-up. That guy kind of, uh, you know, think Claudio who throws a little harder with maybe a little better slider and a quite a bit worse command. Um, I currently don't have him projected as an MLB pitcher, but I, I have sort of a note in the summary that says, you know, if he ticks up some command, which is not an impossibility, uh, you know, that's a that's a Claudio-esque kind of guy. You know, he's not going to be your lockdown setup guy, but he may be able to get you some outs in the middle relief. He's also like a low three-quarter side armor type, right? He's a side armor, maybe even closer to submarine. Um, he comes in 89-91, and he's a pitchability guy. He's trying to he's trying to hit outside corner fastball uh, and then break it in on the the heels for righties with a slider, and he's trying to break it off the plate uh, against or yeah against righties. Sorry about that. He's trying to put it on the heels on righties or hit it the change up and break it off um, the outside part of the plate. And on lefties, he's just going fastball slider to try to get them to uh, to swing at some bad pitches. But he's an interesting guy. Uh, we have some he's other guys. Kind of my neck of the woods. He's from Pell City, Alabama, which is a, a an interesting City. little community. I've, I've spent some time in, in Pell City. Well, that's... <laughs> <laughs> he, you know, I found out his name the other day was uh, was Kest or Kinston, Kinston, yes. Kenton Lock St. John. Kenton, thank you, Kenton Lock St. John. So, sure. Yeah, um, but the big one, the big one for me is is Peter Fairbanks. I obviously think Class A is is from what I've heard is uh, is your best bet for your high upside guy there, along with Jonathan Hernandez. But Peter Fairbanks, he's sort of uh, he he looks like he he wraps himself up into a super tight ball of fury, and then sort of just unrolls it at um, the the hitter, and it's it's upper nineties. He's touched a hundred at times, but I've only seen him from like ninety seven to ninety eight, uh, and then it's really hard to see for hitters because it's behind his body the entire time until he just sort of just jumps at the hitter. Even it's max effort. It looks crazy. It comes out of the hand and it's on him. And he's got a really hard spike curve, and it just drops off the face of the planet. Uh, so I, I love that guy. Um, so Fairbanks uh, was he the same draft as Jake Lemoyne from Houston, or was that are they different years? You know, I actually don't know the answer to that. I remember there was a, a couple of these like project arms out of colleges that the Rangers took all in a row and. Uh, it looks like Fairbanks is 2015. That may have been the year before Lemoyne. He may have been 16. I, I, I think uh, there was another big arm who got who got released. Um, mm-hmm. Tyler Ferguson? 
Yeah, Tyler Ferguson. Yeah, Tyler uh, Ferguson. That he was uh, Missouri. Yeah, he was he, the, yeah. Okay. He got he got. I think he got released. Um, but but yeah. So Fairbanks has been fine. He's got a boatload of injuries in his history. So my expectation is that he's up sometime before too long and uh, making sure that you know whatever he has in the tank, it's being used against the MLB players. Um, and then you got some guys. You know, sort of friend like guys who I see as more fringy uh, candidates like uh, Jairo Barros and Jake Lemoyne. Those are guys who, you know, they have they have something. You know, Lemoyne flashed a plus breaking ball with some mid nineties stuff, and then Barros is obviously ridiculous with his like super gangly, long, lanky build. Kind of looks like a right-handed Jake Deegan in terms of build. It comes out from sort of the same slot, and so it's it's like ninety hard as hell, right? Yeah, ninety six to ninety eight with like a plus slider at times or a slider that flashes plus. But I mean, the command there is just so incredibly bad. Um, I mean, he he's he's rough. Like one game, he'll hit a spot and then strike out a couple guys, and it looks pretty nice. And then the next time, like it's. Wild pitch, wild pitch, in the dirt, in the dirt. Like, it's just, it's sometimes tough to watch. And, you know, if he ever gets that under control, there's the makings of a big leaguer there. Uh, but otherwise, uh, it's, it's sort of a fringy, um, it, it's hard to say exactly that, you know, there's anything there that'll, that'll translate to getting out to the MLB level unless that command picks up. Uh, and then the last guy who sort of, in the, the arm side that's sort of interesting um, there's Pedro Piano. Uh, okay. He had his best start that I've seen. It's like 94 to 95 with some some breaking stuff that was flashing above average and then his change up which has always been sort of average to above average. You know, that's, it's, it's not too far away from like, oh, Nick Martinez. Like, it's pretty dang close. And, you know, that kind of piece doesn't necessarily, you know, light up prospect ratings, but uh, it does provide value on a team that's rebuilding or needs innings. So uh, maybe Piano can, can can take that step with consistency and be Nick Martinez for the Rangers, or you know, maybe we'll see him in Double A again next year. So he's he's getting the strikeouts this year. He's really cut to the walks. You know, he's not not doing that, not hurting himself in that way. Um, and he's 24 years old at Double A. That's Those right. Are the guys that every, every once in a while they, they break through and they harada themselves into significant big league time. That's uh, correct. <laughs> I mean, it, the one guy we got to touch on that I forgot, Tyler Phillips. I caught his last start. Oh yeah. Or not his last start, but the, his last start in Frisco, and uh, he was really surprising me with like 92 to 94 with his four seamer, and then he had that pretty surprising in what way? I, I hadn't heard he was 92 to 94. Uh, I always heard low 90s, which usually, you know, 90, 90 to 92. Uh, and then the sinker was 89, 91, and it was really good. It was a quality sinker. He didn't necessarily have a ton of command for it yet, but uh, guys were take, making some pretty pretty bad contact on it when they were getting it low in the zone. Uh, when he got punished, it was because he was leaving that stuff up at the knees or up at the thighs. Um and then the walks are a bit of a, you know, maybe an issue because he's sort of a control over command guy right now. He throws strikes, but uh, there's, 
he throws strikes, but he uh, he can leave them in places that get hit pretty hard. And his changeups plus, so that helps. But the, the breaking ball is sort of just average, and so um, yeah, it's, it's it's a profile that you know if he takes another step up in command, which is absolutely possible, uh, he could be a back of the rotation guy. And that's cool. huge. So who's actually going to be scoring runs? Uh. <laughs> Double A? <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, the the Rough Riders have actually only fielded a uh, pitching staff this year. Okay, uh, yeah. Revolutionary. Jairo well, <laughs> Barros is playing the entire outfield yeah. and pitching. Yeah. And it's and just Ladarius Clark out there at all times. Nobody <laughs> yeah. else. Well, yeah, it's too bad. Ladarius is actually pretty entertaining to watch. But he's been oh, hard. yeah. I got to see him in, in Nashville a little bit too. Ladarius Clark looks insanely good. He's incredible body uh, projection there. Like it's phenomenal. It's nuts. But you know the the guy I talked about, and I wrote him up. Uh, I wrote up a scouting report as a report eyewitness over at BP, and it was uh, Jeremy Profar. Yeah. Who uh, who got in much better shape, all like Calhoun. Uh, and it sort of helped him refine his quickness at the plate, and he's taken a huge step forward in his pitch recognition this year. And so he's he's actually hitting the ball really well, uh, and he can play he can play third base. Uh, he's not he's not just like a one dimensional kind of guy. He can play some third base, and he can play some first base. So you know, right handed guy who can hit and play some defense. Like what's missing? Well, he's a twenty grade runner. So he won't ever provide value <laughs> on the base paths. Uh, he's pretty aggressive, so despite having some pretty good pitch recognition, he, he swings a lot of pitches that he shouldn't and things that he can't necessarily hit out. And the biggest one is he's he's probably got 30 game power right now, like, like well below average game power, despite above average raw power. Because he doesn't collapse his core at all or get on plane with the ball. And so his hard hit stuff goes on a line or into the ground. Except when the ball is left up, where he can sort of just use his natural, you know, swing path to meet it out front and get it way out into the outfield. But it's really hard to see him turning himself into MLB player unless he figures out a way to tap into that that raw power. And uh, I don't think that's going to happen unless he changes his swing uh, to get on plane with the ball, which uh, it, it's probably pretty unlikely at this point. But it's worth watching. It's worth watching uh, to see if he can do that because there are some tools there. Uh, if the James Jones, I, just to re-jigger re over to pitching real quick because uh, he was once an outfielder. Is the James Jones as a pitcher experiment a thing that's gonna be relevant to fans of the major league team probably not um I, he's he's interesting like he's got some stuff he also throws pretty hard right he's left-handed well he's not throwing as hard this year he's throwing low mid 90s which is well down from what he was originally uh pre-injury uh and he's got a he's got a really good breaking ball he's got a plus breaking ball but it's sort of the same thing the command's not especially great and it's, you know, he, he's one of those, the Rangers have a million of them. Project arms with two pitches uh, who can throw fairly hard and have a chance at, you know, improving their strikes and moving up on their on their uh, probability of outcomes. But um, it's probably not going to happen for James Jones, but, you know, it might. 
it's a small chance, but it might if he if he finds some command he didn't have and you know can be more consistent. It's absolutely possible. So I guess the the logical next step then would be talking about who you're still hoping to see come through Frisco at some point this year. I mean, there have been some guys down there on uh, with Hickory, obviously, and, and down east has some pretty interesting names. Is there anybody who you've you got circled? You're waiting on the on the call up. I've been wanting to see Anderson Tejeda uh, since mm-hmm. you know day one. I kind of thought maybe he'd come up early, but yeah. I think they wanted to see if that switch hitting thing, you know took flight and it kind of looked like the experiment was really paying off at first but um, yeah he struggled recently but you know guys go through up and down I wouldn't worry about him but I'll be excited when I get to see him and then uh, obviously Leote Tavares that guy has been hitting from the left side of the plate like crazy compared to where he normally has a lot of encouraging signs there the, the one concern there is he's abysmal from the right side. I mean, like, really bad. And the stats sort of just back it up, and the scouts I've talked to have backed it up. Mm. They just really don't like him from the right side. And so I'm, I'm sort of wondering, like, you know, what the game plan is there. Like, I don't know. I don't know what their plan is. But, um, yeah, he's, he's – that's really seems to be the limiter on his profile right now. And I'll be interested to see, you know, how they tackle that. But he's another guy I'm really interested to see. Plus center fielders who have some hitting projection. That's not something that happens all the time. Right. Uh, and then how, the, how much on, on Leody, how much of his value is tied into his switch hitting? <sighs> like, uh, would, it, would it be on the table to scrap hitting from the right-hand side? That's a, that's a, question, that's a question I don't have the information to answer. Um, the answer is if he's batting from the right hand side because he cannot pick up stuff when he's batting left on left then maybe batting 300 with no power is you know (laughs) is better than the alternative because like in Anderson Tejeda's case his OPS against lefties was like 400 like they had to try something because Platoon, a platoon bat at 21 years old or 20 years old at uh, 21, 21 years old who, uh, yeah, shortstop. Like that's that's just not something that happens. Like you've got to figure something out there, and they did, and it seemingly is working fairly well. But with Tavares, man, he's 300, 300, 300 hitter. You know, 300 slot, 300 slot, 300 slash line. Like it, you can't, you can't be excited about that like if there's a potential that he can recognize pitches from the left hand side better from or okay from the left hand side so he can get into that power from his left handed swing I think that's something you gotta try but then again I don't have the information to know he could be as bad as Anderson Tejeda was lefty lefty so I don't know but then the, the bullpen guys down there are the real winners um I, I'm very. Demarcus ex- Evans. Oh yeah. Just Demarcus Evans. No, no. Uh, Joe Barlow. Sure, but Demarcus oh, Evans. Yeah, he's been coming on real, real. Hard. I, I am, I'm super excited to see those two guys. Yeah, Barlow's given up like negative three runs this season. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really excited. I think I'm surprised those guys aren't up now. I guess, 
I guess there's only so many guys you can have throwing 98 in a bullpen, but I mean, goodness gracious, those numbers in, in advanced A are just sort of ridiculous. So get them up. Let me see them. I'll put out reports on them. Um, that'll be fun. Uh, and then, you know, some of the some of the guy who is sort of a pop-up right now and everyone's talking about, Sam Huff, mm-hmm. um, I, I wouldn't expect to see him in AA this year. That's all I'm saying. But, like, I just wanted to briefly touch on the fact that, like, you have a catcher down there who's getting pretty decent grades on his catching ability despite being a behemoth at 6'5", like 200,000 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, He's, he's gonna need to get an updated photo on the website, though. Every time I pull yeah. up Sam Hub's page, oh, I'm like, "This yeah. is a nine-year-old. Like, this is a, this is a yeah. straight-up child." I mean, I don't think you I think if you saw him, you'd be like, "Oh, okay." But yeah, uh, I mean, he could rip me in half. I'm not I'm not challenging that. I'm no. just saying I would the whole time. I'd be like, "Should I call your mom as he's picking me up and throwing me over the fence?" Like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. And he's throwing out, like, 60% of would-be base dealers. Like, he's doing everything from this huge frame. And, you know, I haven't – I don't have – we don't have any framing metrics that we can really point to in the minor leagues that are 100% accurate because umpires in an A-ball aren't necessarily good enough to – like, the strike zone shrinks so much between A-ball and double-A-ball. Even the baseball prospectus framing metrics, which we, we keep tabs on for the minor leagues – I, they're not really trustworthy and able. So we don't have any way to, to get that from our end, but I've heard that people like his framing. So, you know, 6'5", cool. and he's got some framing, and he's athletic, and he throws guys out like crazy. You know, it's starting to sound pretty good. And, oh, yeah, he also has hit, like, 500 bombs and is batting, you know, 280 in advanced day. And you know, all of a sudden, you're like, you feel like you got a prospect. But... Yeah. I mean, I, I'm telling you guys this because I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again a hundred times before, you know, he proves me wrong and he turns into the next, you know, ridiculous catcher for the Rangers. But I really have some some concerns about his approach. Like, he's, he's the he exact... He does not walk. Yeah, he's the exact kind of player you see launch through the A-ball levels and then get to double-A and just get taken advantage of. Like, he gets abused. Um, and I'm not saying that that will be Huff, because some guys prove to be exceptions to that rule. Uh, but Huff is Huff is the exact profile I look at, and I'm like, man, those stats are beautiful, but that that stat line is sort of concerning. Like I buy the isolated slugging; that dude can probably throw a truck over right field wall, but. Um, you know, I'm not really, I'm not really buying the the walk and the K rates right now. Those are super concerning, and yeah. so I'm I'm excited about him. I am, I'm interested, but I, I don't I don't think I would put him, you know, in, in my pref list super high in the system yet. How about Dizzy Arias? Are you familiar with him at all? Yeah. So I, Arias Arias sort of a maxed out build guy. He's he's 23, 24, and he's. His, he's full. His build is his frame's done. He's not projecting anymore. Uh, he has a pretty nice swing. Everything kind of looks pretty good, but he's not going to get stronger. He's not going to. There's nothing about him that's going to like jump out next year and completely change who he is. Uh, and, and honestly, I just don't see a lot there in terms of like he strikes out a lot in advanced A. Uh, he's not necessarily 
you know, there's just not, there's nothing there that's loud enough to make you think that uh, he's going to take a huge step forward. Hmm. Um, a good example, I think, of, of someone he could really emulate here in a couple of years, uh, Andy Ibanez, kind of a oh, guy yeah. who, Same thing. yeah, yeah, who kind of has some he's back good. ball and, yeah. He's good at the level that he's at, but he doesn't project to help your major league team win a championship. Yeah, and I, I think I think uh, the K rate may be the limiter where the power is more the limiter for Andy Ibanez. Right. Uh, but, you know, I think it's going to be in terms of the, they're going to maybe both of those guys end up as, you know, good players to have on your AAA team in case you need an emergency call-up kind of guys. Um, he can be him, Profar, and uh, Andy Ibanez can be the cornerstones of that Triple A lineup for a few years. <laughs> gotcha. Hey, good for them. Yeah, no, that's right. They're playing professional baseball, and we're all just talking about it. So, right, right. Uh, yeah. Real quick, I think speaking of guys who are, uh, you know, guys who maybe not make major leagues but provide impact else in other ways, uh, Tony Sanchez. A mm-hmm. uh, real brief note on him: uh, the Rangers have him in Double A for a reason. Uh, I'm, I think other other people have talked, have like touched on this a bit before. But uh, I was watching the game behind some some employees of teams. I'm not going to talk about specifics, but uh, they were watching Tony Sanchez, and you know, I, I think that the the gist there is. This is a guy who understands pitching. This is a guy who understands what MLB players are going to do. This is a guy who understands uh, tunneling and pitching strategies, and he knows how to break down data uh, and and sort of work that into his game plans. I think Tony Sanchez is exactly where he's supposed to be in terms of where the team wants him to be because this is where the big – pitching prospects are for them right now. This is where Palumbo, Tyler Phillips, uh, Burt, Hernandez, Classe, all these guys are getting their formative, you know, finishing touches here. And he is the one who's sort of guiding them through these games. And I I don't think you can really talk enough about about that. I don't know if he wants to be there. You know, I can't imagine he does. Uh, I, I bet you he's probably getting paid pretty well for his troubles. Right, um, but you know he's he's big there, and you know he's worth mentioning just because of the the sort of stuff he's doing for that staff. Yeah, yeah. well, you don't see many thirty-one-year-olds in Double A. So, no, yeah, no, you you would no. you would imagine he's getting paid pretty well, and um, you know maybe he's thinking about getting into coaching or something like that down the line, um, to where he's kind of maybe doing somewhat both playing and coaching right now already um, yeah it's, like you would you'd hope that he's having that kind of like guidance and influence and instruction on these young pitchers that you just mentioned yeah and there are definitely guys who take that route um you know alex berg is an example guy who's coaching on the mlb staff uh right now for the rangers and it's a guy who stayed in the systems forever, got a little experience with uh, with um, driveline, doing some stuff with them, and the Rangers hired him, and because he they thought that he provided enough value as a coach after he had been in the system for so long, um, and he he 
that's the kind of thing that they want. You know, they want guys who have been on the ground floor, and then they want guys who have seen the data that they're playing with now, and they want the guys who can tell other players, hey, this is why you need to understand this data, or at least know why we understand it for you to make those adjustments. Um, so if Tony Sanchez is that kind of guy and that's what he wants to do, then I absolutely would expect him to get that opportunity someday. Yeah. There's, there's, there's certainly something else going on other than just, you know, he's trying to, like, return to the big leagues. You know, there's got to no, be... some pitcher whispering that you're expecting. Yeah, there. yeah, which is cool. Yep. Which is this is really the Jeff cool. Mathis treatment, just uh, yeah. uh, with slightly fewer lights. Yep. Yeah, no, and, and no one's tracking his yeah. WRC plus and complaining about it vociferously. Because no. no. I believe the last time I looked, uh, Mathis's WRC plus was in the single digits. <laughs> I haven't. I'm pretty it. sure he's he's. A, I'm just counting him as a pitcher this year, and I'm so not really worried about it. <laughs> does that does that make it better? How many pitchers are better hitters than Jeff Mathis? Well, the answer know, will depress you. Well, the problem is is that despite that, he's still been more valuable than Isaiah kiner Falefa. So oh, that's, By, that's, according that's, to Fangraphs, one-tenth of a win. Well, yeah, but, I mean, how... Isaiah kiner Falefa has a... He's, he's not in the single digits. His is all defense. He's a 70, right? WRC+. Plus. His, his defense has just been... Yeah, they say it's horrific. Atrocious. I mean, and it's not just that. It's not just the metrics. The eye test has backed that up. It's yeah, it's some of the worst catching defense I've seen. Uh, and I, I really hope that he changes around because, like I said, that guy is a that guy is just a, a amazing person. Uh, and I really hope he figures it out. Either it's catching great, hope he figures it out, or if he moves back to a utility role. Right. I just like him so much. I just hope he succeeds. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and and I'm, I've mentioned this before, and and really just kind of over the last week, I've really started to it's kind of started to register with me. I've noticed him behind the plate a lot more than Trinos, for example, last year, um, because kind of the story on him was that yeah, he rakes, but he also is like terrible at catching, and we want to have better catchers and more, you know, kind of a future outlook behind the plate. So that kind of makes sense, but. It, yeah, the eye test has not been good. Um, he had the, I mean, pass balls and wild pitches are kind of like, it depends on kind of your perspective. He had the two the two plays yesterday, uh, as we're recording this on Sunday, um, the two plays on in Sunday's game where like, man, that was bad. And that was the difference in the game was like the fact that he couldn't stop those pitches and Kyle Dowdy didn't help him, but he also just, he looks kind of, loss and I'll, and I'll defer to to the the coaching staff and the fact that he only started catching three years ago and catching is certainly extremely difficult and you know this is just part of the growing pains and I'll I'll believe that and I'll buy that but right now like it's we're, we're seeing the pains part of it you know we're seeing the pains more than the growth yeah and, 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 and I do wonder how, because he looks so good in the infield at least with the glove last year yeah so yeah, especially at third base. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so. the, the thing that gets me even more than the pass balls and stuff, which has been a problem, is he's just really struggling to, to get the – to stick the frames on those high pitches. And then um, he, his low pitch framing has just been awful. And it's mm-hmm. one of those deals where that's the, that's the part of catching 
It's a combination of skill and wrist strength and shoulder strength. And it, it kind of just feels like maybe Isaiah kiner doesn't has the skill and he doesn't necessarily have the upper body strength. And so it's just sort of... He doesn't really have the frame that you kind of expect to see. Yeah, and, and he, I don't know. He was know. kind of maximizing himself last year, but you, you wonder how long uh, you know, a sort of skinnier bodied guy like that can maintain the hand and, and wrist and shoulder strength to be doing that yes. while also trying to worry about handling a big league staff and we obviously got a bunch of new pitchers if any season. if any guy with his frame was going to be able to do it I'd choose him but yeah, everything you hear about the guy especially people who actually know him have worked with him at all love him yeah and I, I, obviously we're we're 100% pulling for him over here I've really loved watching Izzy play. Uh, I mean, there's a I'm reason why he's for him. yeah. There's a reason he's still on the team right now, despite yeah. a really rough start. I mean, it's it's because the everybody on the team I think sees value in him having him up, uh, regardless of on field performance. But man, it's it's a shame, and I hope he can figure that out because because uh, yeah, I really like Kiner Falefa. I always have, and uh, he's the guy you root for. And hopefully we can keep rooting for him. Yeah. Because uh, we're, we're going to keep rooting for Jeff Mathis for a while, it looks like. So. <laughs> Year and a half. Yeah, That's and right. it's not like um, Jose Trevino is really pushing a lot of uh, envelopes. Yeah, that's currently another injury. That's just a shame. Yeah. I mean, I would, again, another guy. I think we're all hoping to see succeed at the big league level. Uh, yeah, everything you hear about him as a person is stellar, and then the the glove work is obviously very, very good. Yeah, he's kind of a, a Mathis light. Unfortunately, he's Mathis light in um, maybe some offensive ways as well. Right, and that's rough because Jeff Mathis. I did look it up. Jeff Mathis would be the twentieth best hitting pitcher uh, this season, <laughs> <laughs> just in between Patrick Corbin and his eight WRC plus, and Vince Velasquez's two. Are you kidding me? Oh, dear. Yeah. There are 23 pitchers with a zero or better, including uh, Hyunjin Ryu with, a, with his zero. Uh, best hitting me. pitcher, unsurprisingly, who's the best hitting pitcher in baseball this season? Uh, it's the one guy who's got a good reputation for hitting that's not Madison Bumgarner. Okay. Uh, no, uh, the, the Reds guy. Um, oh, um, that's Michael Lorenzo. It's yeah, uh, Zach Greinke. Red- Oh, Zach Greinke. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here, by the way, here's Zach Greinke's batting line: three twenty, three seventy, seven twenty. Hey. <laughs> nice. He has a one seventy eight WRC plus. Good for him. Holy shit. <laughs> there are three pitchers with a one hundred or better. You can put him in DH right now. And yeah. Okay. Well, cool. He's, he's been worth him. like a win uh, with the bat. Cool. Which that's yeah. wild. That's yeah. nice. He is a 1.7 win player right now. Uh, 0.8 of that is with the bat. That's insane. That's pretty good. Uh, also, guys, doing some value with the bat. For those of you who are watching or listening to this in the future, just go back and watch Ronald Guzman's home run because it was pretty cool. Just now? Oh, yeah. He hit it uh, maybe five minutes ago. Oh, I'll have to yeah. go look at that. Straight away center. Nice. Tommy Malone was very confused. <laughs> Also, I, I haven't been watching this game, but the Rangers are wearing blue jerseys with the red hats today, and yeah, it's weird looking. Yeah, not, not great. It's it's what are the is there a patch on these hats? Yeah, and I yeah. think I think all the players have red socks on right now, except for Chu too. So okay, 
I, I guess I'm assuming this is some sort of Memorial Day uh, thing. Either that or Lance Lynn is a yeah. sadist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do the, do the pitchers still get to have some say in the uniforms? I'm sure they do, especially the veterans. So. Yeah. I would uh, I would want to play in the big so like eight or nine years just so I could pick terrible uniform combos, <laughs> like well, just funny. to screw with people. Yeah, what's funny to me is is how you would notice pitchers choosing certain things like Colby Lewis and and uh, Cole Hamels would always choose the same jersey every single time. I think mm-hmm. uh, Cole always pitched in blue, and Colby always pitched in white or gray. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like. Kind of an interesting thing, you know. And when you have a guy on your team for a couple of years, you kind of get to notice those things, and yeah, it's a little, little, little joy of being a Rangers fan because we don't have I, much else. I did have a Cole Hamels nugget from that. I've got a good friend who's a Cubs fan, and he texted okay. me about, uh, "Oh my God, Cole struck out twelve through six and I was like, yeah. "Yeah." Uh No, he meant Garrett Cole. Um, <laughs> Which made me mad because one, I do like Cole Hamels, but two, I, I uh, and you all want to hear about my fantasy team, but I got real excited that Cole Hamels is doing good fantasy things right now. He walked four and struck out none today. Oh, so. excellent! Good job, man. Uh, I don't care. I do. Shouts to Chris for the uh, 2018 Texas Ranger Cole Hamels. What getting just shredded by the Houston Astros? Yeah, <laughs> they'll do that. That's a that's a scary good team. Well, hey, uh, the the injuries I've been running through. Did you guys want to uh, talk about some guys who probably won't ever be Rangers but might be on the MLB draft? I love embarrassing myself. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk about uh... – I, I might as well just mute myself. I <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the Rangers are getting Rutschman and Bobby Witt. Are they, they're trading yeah, the so top the, two picks? I'm thinking, that, I'm thinking that Bobby Witt will probably draft in the second round. So Okay. Yeah, just, and at 41. Just plan on that. But, no – so I'll just I won't you know we won't go too in depth but um, just a general strategy wise the Rangers are going to I, I'm guessing they have a few names up at the top where if they fall to them they're going to say to hell with this underslot stuff we're going to sign this guy because he's good uh, I don't know who those guys are could be guys like Hunter Bishop who are big you know power athletic dudes with some swinging ish issues. Yeah, I love be. Bishop, which means the Rangers will not draft him, or if they do, he'll be bad. <laughs> uh, it was like 100%. Nolan Gorman last year, I was... Uh, I, I was, love Nolan Gorman, and yeah. he's been pretty pretty good, from what uh, I understand. Pretty good, yeah, sure. He's been great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I like Cole Wynn, too, and I've only heard good things about him. So, But the uh, they may just be like, hey, you know, I really like Hunter Bishop, or Manoa, or uh, one of these other... Maybe maybe you get a guy like uh, well, probably not Bobby Witt, but let's just use him as an example. If he falls to eight because of bonus demands, maybe they're like, mm-hmm. ah, screw that, we're gonna pull our bonus slot from that forty-one pick. We're gonna pile up for Witt, and you know maybe that gets it. You know maybe that happens, but uh, it's starting to sound. You know the rumblings are that uh, they don't really like a lot of the names up top. And so if one of those guys doesn't fall, they probably have a couple backup plans where they're going to take an underslot guy at uh, at eight, not necessarily like a bad player, but a guy who a guy who maybe uh, isn't the best player available, and they can get him you know an underslot and get like two roll four projections rather than like one fringe. Or a guy that maybe they don't see as a roll five projection, but the industry does. 
it's sort of challenging because you don't know how rangers are reviewing these guys compared to what we can see as far as industry consensus goes. Yeah. So if they think that if they think that Bishop is sort of a fringy role four guy, but he expects to get you know top eight pick money, you know they don't want to spend top eight money on a guy that you know they can get this other dude who is also wanting who's wanting way less money and is a guy they view sort of similarly, then they pick that guy. Um, it sort of just makes sense to do that. Um, so if, if My, they want to go grab an underslot and then go overslot with their 41 pick and get a guy that they also really like and have a huge projection on and can money whip him to keep him from going to college, that's not a bad plan. I Look... My my only thing at this point in the draft is I just don't want them to draft Bryson Stott. I'm sure he's a wonderful person and I'm sure he's a good ball player, but just Bryson Stott. Bryson no, come Stott. On. I'm like get out of here. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not putting up with that. Bryson no. Stott. He looks like uh, Brennan Crawford. So uh, does, he, does he have the big hair? Yeah, he has the big hair. Okay, I like him more now than he's, I did. He's got some flow, and he uh, he's sort of a, he's sort of a. They say, you know, all the, the industry has been saying, you know, kind of looks and plays like him. It's a lot of some swing and miss, but has some interesting tools. Um, I, yeah, it didn't. Yeah, it would shock me if that was the guy that the Rangers would go for in the first place. But uh, mm-hmm. no, there there's some interesting guys up there at the top who I do know, like Bishop. I've seen JJ Blade, the Vanderbilt outfielder. That guy's uh, not dropping to eight. No, no. <laughs> that guy. I, 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 Probably I watch a lot of SEC baseball, so I've I've seen some Blade and, and even like just the complete chest window lickers who follow college baseball around here all know that JJ Blade is uh, pretty good at the sports ball. Yes, he's gonna be okay for himself. He'll uh, he out of all the college bats up top except for Rutschman, <laughs> Rutschman, uh, that guy is the, the one I would look at and be like, oh no, he's not falling to eight. Like, no. that there, I would I would expect that Vaughn. Um, there would fall to eight before. Vaughn's the guy who's he's like a righty right first baseman, no defensive profile, but he can hit. Yeah, and he's a true twenty runner. Like he's slow shit. Cool. <laughs> he he's he's a first. He'll be a fine first baseman. Like you know, quick twitch is there. Like he's gonna he's gonna field stuff in his general vicinity. So he's gonna turn into Cody Bellinger. He's gonna be a center fielder. <laughs> well, he's, Cody Bellinger is like an eight runner. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, he'll he'll absolutely gain uh, seven full grades on his speed and turn into a center fielder. Hey, yeah, it happens. Uh, but no, that guy, I can hit. <laughs> I've watched videos of him hitting things that I'm just amazed at. So, you know, he might he might fall a little bit just because some teams are pretty wary of bat only guys, and that's fair. That's a it's, it's a pretty understandable thing to be scared of because you get things like Justin Smoke. And your bat first, your bat only guy doesn't bat, and then you have a guy who does nothing, and mm-hmm. you know maybe you can trade him for Cliff Lee, but yeah, I mean I think I've come to the point where I I am really interested in Texas going and picking up a guy who, where the bat isn't a question. Where you're like, yeah, look, okay, he might not have a defensive position, but at least he can hit. Yeah, but um, at eight, that's where it starts yeah. to get. That's where it starts to get a little like. Uh, like, because you're not guaranteeing yourself you're getting a hitter. Yeah. I mean, if the Rangers are picking third and they're like, yeah, we, we, like you know, Rutschman's going to be a, a, a major league catcher. Yes. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if he can hit or not. He's going to be able to field behind the plate for ten years at the big league level, and that's pretty cool. And he Junior can play shortstop at the big leagues now. Yep. He just couldn't hit. Yep. 
That's cool. I saw well, Bobby. I mean, theory can hit. I saw Bobby Witt, and man, that guy is a real. I mean, you know, you heard some grumblings about his ability to make contact with some quality uh, pitchers, and that's that's a real issue. Like, there's some length in that swing, and there's some like he's he's an aggr- he wants to hit, and he's aggressive, and there's some pitch recognition stuff there that you know comes with every single 18 year old ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like there are some points to look at and be like, oh yeah, that's risky, but. Then you see him move, and you're like, man, that kid moves like a dancer. Like, he is flexible. He's explosive. He just instinctually understands how to bend his bodies in ways to put that bat on the ball. And you feel pretty good about it, like, with the bat. There's a lot of risk there, so you can't project, like, ridiculous all-star numbers like you can with Rutschman. But, but with... Being a plus shortstop is really going to help him uh, make him yeah. be very rich pretty soon, uh, because he's a plus shortstop with impact potential, and it's not likely he's going to provide impact uh, with the bat, but it's potential. Like he could, he could turn into Trevor Story, or he could turn into uh, Carlos Correa, or he could turn into a guy who is a little more fringy offensive profile who still squeaks out two wins a season because he's a plus defender at shortstop. Like, yeah, you could, you could turn him into a later career Brandon Crawford right. or J.J. Hardy. Exactly, know, and that's the kind of thing where... Love you, enough. Exactly, and like worst case scenario, well, obviously not worse, but like a lower end outcome for him is like a really good utility player. So like that's the guy, that's the guy who everyone looks at and is like, okay, this guy is just so athletic, he's so explosive, he's such a good defensive shortstop, like, in the, the potential for impact is there. And so he's a pretty good high draft pick. Like, a lot of people are going to really like him. Uh, and, you know, there were grumblings that, like, maybe he would fall earlier in the year. And maybe his bonus would kind of scare some teams away who weren't super happy with taking back question guys. Uh, but it kind of sounds like a team up near the top, <laughs> Kansas City, uh, has <laughs> money whipped him into um, submission. So uh, it kind of sounds like he's going to be a royal. Well, uh, Rip, yeah. my condolences to yeah. the soon-to-be-wealthy Bobby Witt and having to play in Kansas City. But I guess it's still doing better than Adley Rutschman potentially uh, going to Baltimore. Yeah, but, I mean, they did it They did it once with Weeders. So. Yeah, well, that, and that, that went... Uh, well, yeah, well, it started great. Readers is probably not the player that Richmond is. I mean, whew. that's that's something. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, I've I've never heard a negative thing about him, and that's pretty impressive. I'm I'm really excited to see what he does after getting picked. Yeah, but and um, Joey Bart was the first overall pick last year, right? I believe Bart was. Was he? No. No, no. Uh, Casey Mize was first Yeah, pick Mize was Auburn, first. Yeah, and yeah. the Giants took, took Bart. And then the, and then Bart was... Uh, yeah, yeah, and then he's been Bob pretty good. And, yeah, Bart's been... He's a nice pickup for them. I don't... Yeah, Casey Mize has been stellar. Uh, yeah. He did that, he did that no-hitter. He had like a 27-inning scoreless streak going for a little while there. Uh, yeah, I saw Mize in college as well. And you, you could tell. He was a guy who... I mean, that he was just basically going to keep doing what he was doing in college, but also in the pros, and that's been pretty true so far. Yeah, that dude's for real. 
Uh, Casey Mize, I've, I've heard so many good things about his command, and then his splitter fastball change. Yeah, the splitter combo. is nasty. Uh, I mean, even as an untrained eye, you could see the splitter from the stands and like, oh, oh that's a bitch. Like, I mean, it looks like a fastball, and then you're like, oh shit, no, that's in the dirt. And I pretty swung like a mile ago, <laughs> so. Yeah, so I mean, the guy in the on deck circle is swinging at it. Yeah. Like, oh, I think like, oh, damn, I missed that. <laughs> so yeah, he's he's the real deal. Uh, but but no, it, it, honestly, the Rangers are in a really good spot at eight, and then at forty one, and then they got another pick pretty quick after that with their second like round, fifty pick. or something. Yeah, fifty. They're 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 in a really good spot to pick up some really high upside guys with that forty one and that. Uh, well, really, with all three picks, depending on how they go with it. But uh, they they can they can go under slot and sign you know just remember a couple of years ago Hans Kraus was that under slot pick mm-hmm. or that over slot pick after signing uh, or finding finding some room to wiggle uh, with some of their other picks so uh, yeah and Hans has been pretty fun so yeah. I I could I could stand the guy to two more Hanses and the yeah exactly definitely. I think everybody could and that's that's ultimately why maybe the under slot over slot is the, the the place they're going but then again maybe they really love Bishop and the reason there's so much talk about this underslot overslot thing is because they're not sure if Bishop's going to fall to them and they need a contingency um, so you know it's hard to say exactly where they'll go but either way I think at 8 you're going to get a lot of value from this draft and then with the new revamp development program they got going on, you got a pretty good shot. Yeah, and seeing if the Rangers want to continue their draft strategy and their their post-draft strategy from last season with the, the D-load program for their high school picks and, and what kinds of guys they're targeting with these, these first three picks, that's going to be fun. We'll have those answers in about a week. Uh, <laughs> I hope the Rangers have those answers. Uh, yeah, this is I think it's probably going to constitute the, the bulk of our uh, pre-draft coverage because I don't know just the first damn thing about scouting a bunch of high schoolers. I can do it for college football. I, I can I can break down film on college football kids because they're a lot closer in terms of their development into college players, going from senior in high school to freshman or sophomore in college. Baseball is just so wild. There's so many different things that teams could be looking for in terms of yep. the. Um, School the skill sets they're looking at, what types of players, you know, are you going for those bat-first guys? Do you want to have those athletic profiles? What do you, I mean, there's so many pieces here. Um, it's, it's so complicated that it's hard to look at in retrospect and say, oh, this is what the Rangers were doing in the 2018 draft. I mean, it's hard to even say that about past years. But, you know, picking in the, the top couple again, three picks in the top, I think it's the top 50. Um, it's going to be cool. It should be a good infusion of talent into the system. Cole Wynn obviously has made his debut uh, with Hickory. It's he's eighteen or whatever, so it's not been stellar Man. so far. But I'm not. He looks I'm not good. worried about it. He I, I, I did catch his first start. He looks good. I mean, he Tepid, looks like a yeah, pitcher. He Tepid shared a, a, a video, you know, just like a thirty second clip mm-hmm. of a fastball slider, just kind of a two pitch sequence. It reminded me of you, Darvish, the way that kind of it the pitch looked ex- the exact same out of the hand the way that the hitter had no idea what was about to happen it's two pitches obviously i'm super excited and uh you know want the best for him but like i mean that was nasty that was that i mean 
Oh, okay. So this is this is why he hasn't thrown a professional pitch yet, and people still think that he's the best prospect in our whole system. Yeah, and, so and the cool. thing that impressed me about it is that's like a that's a that's a thirty year old and a nineteen year old. Like that's a that body is done. Like he is strong. It's muscled. It's man strength is there, and he's nineteen. Like yeah. Once he gets the pitching thing down. Is the body is ready? Like he put on a bunch of good weight over the, I guess during the development program, he's he's looking great. And it's just, I'm really excited about him. Obviously, the command, that's it's a 19 year old. Like he's gonna have some struggles there, but man, he did look really good. Well, as a, I, you had another question, Hannah, or you're good. <laughs> Plan the parade. Plan the parade. 2020. Colwyn Hunts leading the charge. Oh man, don't get me started. Yeah. Ooh, wait. Yeah. Oof. It's all man, gonna it, be good. It, okay, uh, like kind of like rapid fire, just kind of from the hip. Any chance Hans is in Double A this year? No. Uh, who? Hans Kraus? Yeah. I, I. It would shock me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it would it would shock me because. He, he's he's a guy who really needs to refine the command, and uh, so that he might be a slow burn. You know, a lot of people thought that you know after the ridiculous season he had last year, it would be uh, real quick. But it's gonna be a slow burn. Yeah. He's he's got some yeah. command problems. He, it, uh, scouting the 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 box scores, it looks like he's kind of like, okay, well, he's just a really really good pitcher, and like for the league that he's at, maybe he's not gonna rocket up the system like you said. So, yeah. yeah, it's a he he throws strikes now, which is like a big improvement. So there's right. some room for optimism there. But he, uh, you know, you can only leave your fastball over the middle for so long before, like, you get to a league that just continually punishes that. So, okay. um, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see. I'm really hopeful for him, and even if that's as a bullpen role way down the line, like. Don't Oof. say that. Come on, dude. Oof. Don't say that. Play <laughs> nice. Don't do that. Even if it is, like, can you imagine that mentality that he shows on the mound as your closer? Like, golly. He's gonna yeah. he's gonna murder a dude on the mound. Like, oof. Uh, I just want to see the shimmy. I want to see the shimmy in actual high definition and not on whatever this like high school nonsense I, I've been getting on in my film for him is. So. <laughs> Give me the shim. Let's see it. Yeah. Uh, let's have some fun with it. I, I, I like the demonstrative guys, and he's uh, pr- pretty demonstrative, I think is the best way of putting it. <laughs> no joke. He likes to demonstrate. Yeah, so uh, we got some fun stuff out there. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some some pieces to look out for on on BP. You got anything in the pipes that you're particularly interested in? We should be uh, you know right now the page under authorship. I'm f- I'm just firing out. It's the season, so I'm, my focus is on is on valuation right now, and so I'm firing out pieces every week. We'll get another line of guys this Thursday, this upcoming Thursday. There are going to be a more scouting reports coming out from the eyewitness. It's called eyewitness reports at BP. And I already have a bunch there right now, so you guys can go check those out. Uh, just to sort of get tabs on some guys I've seen in AA, and um, you know, you can see what I think they're likely going to be as big leaguers. Okay. Well, definitely, if you're listening to this, go look for Kevin Steph over there on Baseball Prospectus. 
You can catch him on Lone Star Bowl as well, occasionally uh, hollering at us about O-Swing, all the, all the good stuff. That's about right. right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's apparently it's very important. It, it is, uh, it, right? Okay, so, if you guys don't mind, just one more minute. The, uh, yeah, no. So one of the things I think, and I think you see it a lot with the Rangers this year, is uh, it's becoming way more important. It's it, it, sort of these guys who can really control the zone and as hitters is becoming way more focused because the pitchers are just getting better and better. And so what's the best way to combat that is to have guys who can recognize and lay off. Um, so you got you got Joey Votto. Joey Votto is probably good against any sort of I – mean, prime Joey Votto is probably good against any pitcher because he can yeah, recognize – Not 2019 him. Joey Votto. Yeah. Rip. But, oh, so sad. So even so far as one of the things I hear that teams are doing is they're looking at guys who they think are going to be good at that, and they're just planning on teaching them the rest. Like they're going to focus on that stat and then develop the rest. So it's just something that recently I've seen a huge – you know, when I did my research – huge correlation to offensive success and is something that I'm hearing grumblings about being a high development point for, uh, for all teams. And so uh, I, I just think it's going to be something that, you know, we're just going to start hearing more and more about. Cool. And yes, yeah, so it's my favorite. Diddly, diddly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, tracking uh, what the the call and response is going to look like in terms of the pitching versus hitting revolution is we keep getting more calls for things like the mound getting lowered or pushed back or the ball to change. Oh, yeah. There's a lot going on, and teams are thinking you know four or five steps ahead of each other in terms of what they're developing in their hitters and how they're developing their pitchers contra their hitters at the same time. Oh, it, yeah. It's, it's kind of a wild... Uh, uh, frontier out there right now. It's a goose chase. Pitchers do something yeah. and hitters have to adjust. And hitters do something and pitchers have to adjust. And we're going to be seeing it for the next, you know, millennia or however long baseball exists in its current form. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, hopefully we're not seeing just a bunch of uh, weird, crappy toe taps that are or are not balks. Uh, that's been like... <laughs> A hot button issue uh, the last month, apparently. I know Sean Doolittle and Corey, Corey Gearin is in this game, and he reminded me of it. Um, so, man, yeah. the, in the grand scheme of, of the war, um, I don't think the toe tap is a hill I want to die on. But, <laughs> hey, everyone's had to find an advantage somehow, and we're finding our advantage by bringing you on here and hollering at you for a little while. So we really appreciate you taking the time out tonight. Absolutely. It's always, a, it's always fun and, you know... Just- Hit me up if you guys want to do this again after the draft when we actually have some pro players joining the system. Ooh, some some brand spanking new professionals. Brand spanking. Well, ooh, uh, spank some professionals. I I'm sorry, I got confused. <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> Joey Gallo. What's up, guys? <laughs> oh no, and then they mm. like like closing like buzzer beater take here. Is I've talked a lot about like over the, I'm the duration hovering the over the stop recording yeah, yeah, button. Yeah, I, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but like, so this is episode sixty-three. Probably in like forty-five of the episodes, I've mentioned how Nelson Cruz has ruined my like player evaluation of like I don't know. Getting like, closer. Eventually, get good at age twenty-seven out of nowhere. The fact that Joey Gallo was a comp pick, like a sandwich pick, 
gets me real excited for this year's pick at number 41. So Yep. And at, and at 50, you know. honestly. Yeah. So yep. thank you, Alex Claudio. Uh, God bless you. Enjoy your days in Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a fine town. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Hey, no problem. You guys take care. All right. Go Rangers. <laughs>